Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a man cursed to push a flaming boulder up a hill, Satan's goat familiar, and he's here instead of hell because they got in a fight and he's crashing on our couch, and a knockoff Dracula from Wish.com. I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Roxy, this knockoff Dracula, do you ever feel like a knockoff Dracula yourself? Sometimes, you know, when I'm not at my best, I very much feel like a knockoff Dracula from Wish.com. You see, you see a, a, a man walking around in a, a, a velvet faux velvet cape. <laughs> that doesn't quite <laughs> me, fit right, and the stitching's let, all wrong, yeah. and like his hair is kind of like unkempt. You can tell he tried to use product, but didn't know how to use it, you know? And you're like, oh yeah, that's how I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're trying on Don't identities. Don't have your shit together yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll get it right someday. Ugh. So, Mikey, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? Roxy, I've been playing the Dead Space remake. Ooh, this is exciting. And um, little plug, if you check out our Patreon uh, next month, we're going to be doing a Press X to Scream episode on it. Super NPC. Uh, Is it Super NPC Radio or just Super NPC Super Patreon. NPC Radio Patreon. Okay. You can get that episode, but Roxy, listen, a little taste. This game's scary. This is a scary game. I there's heard little it might big, be scary. There's big monster guys, and they've got big spikes for hands, and they're running at you. And then, this is something that I actually really don't love in video games and wish they would stop, but I know why they do it. If you get killed in that game, you just see your little man that you're playing as just get slaughter like just like gruesomely like they cut off his head or his legs and dead space series is known for its incredibly brutal kills for like no reason like they really don't have to do that (laughs) but they do that i i I get why you would like you want to create the vibe that like it is scary and you know horror is about pushing us to feel like to confront unsettling things but it's just like i am projecting into this Mm -hmm. man (laughs) and so it does feel like it's happening to me and I guess it's, like, the right move for this kind of game. But I do hate it. Resident Evil does it, do too, you know when, when if there's my friends get killed. I don't like it. Variations between, like, how you get killed. Because, like, if you get killed the same way all the time, or, like, the same monster kills you the same way every time, I could see being kind of desensitized to it. Just being like, okay, yeah, I get it. All right, can we just reset now, please? <laughs> it's going um, on for so I long. Haven't- I haven't played the Dead Space game enough. And this is actually my first take on Dead Space. I've never played the old one. So I haven't oh, been killed aware enough of that. to, like, look, I'm really good at the game. I haven't been killed <laughs> enough to see if it's repeatable, but okay. you're exactly right. That's the kind of thing that happens in uh, Resident Evil games and Tomb Raider games are no, pretty bad about this. God, new Tomb and Raider, And the first yeah. time, oh, and uh, The Last of Us has a really bad one. <laughs> the Last of Us has one that is the most upsetting thing I've ever seen in my life. Yikes. Uh, but you do one or two times it happens. You're just like, all right, got it. Let's reload. You're jamming the X button to skip the cutscene yeah. of your best friend having the f- top of his head torn off. I don't like it. Yikes. I don't like it. It does not sound What's the scariest fun. thing that happened to you? Scariest thing that happened to me was I fell down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos once again. Oh, you were going to say you fell down the stairs and like oh, are injured. No. I, was, I-, <laughs> I was like tangibly worried for you. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you being worried for me, but luckily you didn't have to be worried about my body. You just have to worry, be worried about my mind keeping Your me mind. awake because of untold horrors. What'd you see? So it was a rabbit hole of videos. They're about unsolved and like unresolved Reddit stories. And since it's mm. Reddit, some of these things might not be true. It might be just people trying to post stuff. But there will be things about like people talking about weird shit that happened to them or how they're worried or something, and then you won't get a follow-up and you won't know what happened to them. I'll be like, did these <laughs> no. people die? Did they just got busy with work? And that's why they never replied. And they're mm-hmm. totally fine. Was that stranger that woman was talking about who was following her, did he finally catch up and kill her? And then that's why we never heard back from her. Stuff like that, things that sound very realistic and then other things that are kind of like, yeah, that's probably fake. Or what if that was real? Because it's it's so off the wall, but what if? That's kind of the thing that, like, is so much scarier about real life than any of the horror movies you and I watch. The idea that, like, there sometimes is no story. It's just, like, sometimes a woman sees a man following her home and she just gets killed and that's the end of it. And it doesn't mean anything and you never get resolution and it just happens and you move on with your life. 
Yeah. Horrifying. Unfortunately, it is. True life is terrifying, Mikey. <laughs> That's why I prefer horror movies. <laughs> and speaking of horror movies. I'm actually kind of glad to see <laughs> this, this yeah. old man who provides us with horror movies. The demon bot. He's skulking into the room. How you hey, doing, demon, demon bot? bot? Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 2000 film Final Destination. Did you watch the film, or are your souls forfeit? Uh, Roxy, I did watch Final Destination, did you? I did. I watched Final Destination. Good. Then you may keep your souls. For now. Did he finally master his invisible man shtick? He, like, kind of faded away there. He either faded away or teleported, and honestly, oh. I don't like either option. Yeah, I don't, I don't like him having either of those technologies. <laughs> not something he needs. Not something we need. Don't need a new weird thing to be worried about. There's plenty of other <laughs> existing weird things we have to be worried about. For instance, being killed arbitrarily in an accident. Speaking <laughs> of, <laughs> oh, final destination. We Mikey, gotta talk Final Destination. We do. We watched Final Destination this week, the first one, from the year 2000. And it is one of the most year 2000 movies, I think, to ever <laughs> exist. Uh, I both yeah. love and hate that about it. Um, it truly does transport you into a time when these kinds of movies were being made. Yeah. So how about for everybody up at the basement door listening in, we give them a plot recap. You know, just to make sure they know about all of the things that go on love in it. Final Destination. <laughs> You gotta know. It's better to know. I always say it's better to know. It's true. So we start with a bunch of high school students who are on their way to the airport to board a plane on their school trip to France. Alex is part of this class and feels a sense of looming dread over him as they prepare to go to the plane and sit down. He's freaked out by the delayed schedule thing changing. He's freaked out by, like, what was it? Somebody walking by him a little too fast. His birthday He's being the same as the plane for some reason. Exactly. He's doing he's doing this magical thinking kind of thing where it's like 929 is the departure time. 929 is my birthday. That means something. Unclear what? Yeah, but that kind of pays off when he <laughs> sits down on the plane and has a vision that it will explode and kill everyone and he's going to burn to death in a fire. He freaks out and is so freaked out screaming, everybody get off the plane. It's, it's going to crash that he gets dragged off of the plane by security. A fight breaks out. The kids who broke out into the fight with him get dragged off too, and both of their teachers. Well, no one believes Alex about his premonition. They can't deny that he is freaked out. So some of the students and one of the teachers are forced to stay behind and try to catch a later flight to Paris. The original scheduled flight then takes off and blows up right in the sky. <laughs> the FBI shows up to question everybody and eventually lets them go and they can't really be held for anything. There's no crime against having visions. <laughs> There's nothing in the rule book that says you can't predict a crime. Uh, however, Alex does, for the time being, remain a suspect. Over a month later, there's a memorial service for the victims of the plane crash. Some of the survivors are scared of Alex. Others want answers. Todd, Alex's best friend who is spared from the plane crash when he followed him out, still wants to be his friend, but his dad isn't dealing with the death of his brother, who did die on the plane very well. In fact, he straight up blames Alex for it. So they can't hang out and be bros. It's very <laughs> Your sad. Your friend is grounded yep. from you. <laughs> Later that night, Alex gets some death vibes and tries to warn Todd. But it's too late, and a Rube Goldberg machine of death has killed him by making him slip on water, then get a clothesline strangely wrapped around his neck, which kills him. It looks like a suicide, but it's not. It's death catching up with him. Alex doesn't think Todd killed himself, and neither does Clear. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I'll say that again. It's Claire, right? No, it is Clear. It's very stupid. Her name is Clear. What? Yes. Right. Her name is Clear Waters. That's her name. Her parents were hippies, uh -oh. I guess. Who knows? <laughs> All right, well... Uh, I guess I'll just continue on saying clear. Alex doesn't think Todd killed himself, and neither does Clear, another survivor of the crash who followed Alex off the plane, who, let's just say real quick, classic, uh, I'm such a weird outcast girl, who is played by one of the hottest women in history. <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> that they cast Allie Larder as the weird girl who no one likes. <sighs> Anyhow, Clear believes Alex that he saw what he saw and knows that there's more going on. 
Claire and Alex then go to the funeral home to look at Todd's body, and that's when Tony Todd from Candyman fame shows up as a mortician named William Bloodworth, Bloodworth. who reveals that they have interrupted Death's design by escaping with their lives from the plane. And now, Death is trying to reclaim them one by one, and he's already started with Todd. Claire and Alex are outside a cafe trying to figure out what the hell to do next when the other survivors, Miss Luton, Carter... Terry and Billy show up as if drawn to the same spot by a supernatural force. <laughs> Alex starts getting death vibes again, and he and Cl- uh, Carter get into a fight. Then Terry steps onto the road and is splatted instantly by a bus and dies. Horrified, Miss Luton blames Alex for all of this and leaves to go pack up for her move out of town. She has quit her job and can't bring herself to live in this town anymore. Then a series of Rube Goldberg machine-like things happen at Miss Luton's house as death is trying to kill her. She gets spooked by a shadow on her coffee pot. And then, Death spooks her with the logo on her coffee mug, which then makes her want to drink vodka on the rocks. And then that mug cracks and starts dripping vodka all over her floor. She doesn't notice that. Then, she leans over her computer vent, and her broken coffee mug drips vodka in there. The computer shorts out and explodes. A huge chunk of glass flies out and stabs Miss Luton in the neck. She starts bleeding out. The computer catches on fire. The fire follows the trail of vodka and explodes the bottle of vodka. Miss Luton falls on the floor, reaches for a towel, which knocks over a knife. (laughs) A block of knives causes her to get stabbed with a big old knife. And that's when Alex shows up. He's just here, thinking... He can do anything at this point? Another small explosion causes a chair to fall over on Miss Luton. Knock the knife in deeper. This is what finally kills her. So Alex does the dumbest thing possible. Takes the knife out of her corpse so that his fingerprints are all over it. And her blood is on his hands. Alex then runs out of the house as it fucking explodes. Billy and the FBI see him fleeing from the house. Assumes he has killed Miss Luton. A-plus job, Alex. We're proud of you, bud. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I love that delivery so much. I can <laughs> movie is insane. <laughs> the remaining survivors join up in Carter's car, and Alex tells them about Death's design and that there's an order to the deaths. But it's not telling them, but he's not telling them who is next, so he doesn't freak them out further, I guess, as if that wasn't enough. It makes no sense. Uh, Carter, in an angry rage at being unable to control his own death, stops the car that all of them are in on the railroad tracks in an attempt to die on his own terms. Everyone else gets out of the car, then at the last minute, Carter decides, you know what, I don't want to get killed by a train, and tries to escape, but Death is like, nah. Luckily, Alex is able to save him at the last minute. Thinking they've escaped Death, Billy starts then freaking out, and right as he's given some rant about whatever the hell he's talking about, a sharp piece of metal from that crash is kicked up by the train and decapitates Billy instantly. Carter's death being skipped means that Billy was killed next, so Alex determines that intervening in the death of another causes death to alter its design. That means Carter is safe, and Alex is next in line to die. The next day, however, Alex is in a fortified cabin rigged with safety measures to protect himself from whatever could possibly kill him. He's also eating cat food or something for some reason. This movie's out of control. Alex then realizes, too late, that he changed seats with two classmates which means he should have died earlier. And actually, it's clear who is the next target of death and his design. The FBI shows up right as Alex is leaving, and he's able to escape in a canoe for some reason. (laughs) The FBI are scared of getting into the water, I guess. They don't know how to swim, Mikey. (laughs) Oh, we're so scared. We're scared of water. We didn't bring our floaties. (laughs) They didn't teach us how to swim in FBI school. (laughs) (laughs) Alex then... Almost drowns in a puddle when death pins him to the ground under a tree. It's very funny. Uh, But he ends up escaping (laughs) and finds Claire trapped in a car with a very aggressive electrical cable trying to electrocute her. Everything that Alex does from that point on just makes the Rube Goldberg death machine ramp up, catching things on fire, pouring gasoline, all kinds of weird stuff. Alex knows now the only way to save Clear is for him to die next. So he grabs the cable and sacrifices himself, saving Clear. Although, turns out Alex was only dead for a few minutes, and now is still alive. That just is what happens. Anyhow, sometime later, Alex, Clear, and Carter finally take that trip to Paris they've been meaning to take. (laughs) 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 You remember the trip that murdered everyone they knew? Yeah, let's just do it. We got a rain check. You know, the airlines, they comped our fares. 
It's in their bucket they, list. Yeah, you know, they would have had to comp their fares, right? They should have. <laughs> they, they still paid for those tickets and use them. You know, if my experience dealing with airlines tells me anything, it wasn't an easy oh, task. They were yeah, like, no, definitely not. we still paid money for this flight and everyone's dead. And they're like, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, it's still $25 to check a bag. You didn't get flight insurance. Did we get all your money now? <laughs> so the three arrive in Paris very safe. They go to a cafe bistro. Alex chooses this moment to reason out that since death never technically skipped him, he's still marked. Right as he comes to this revelation, he starts getting death vibes again, wants to keep the others safe. So he attempts to leave, thinking death will follow him back to the hotel. But Alex then is almost hit by a bus. And then he's almost hit by a large falling sign, just like a giant lit billboard that is like swinging yeah. behind him. But he's saved by Carter. Carter pushes him out of the way. The sign swings back, right, as Carter yells, who's next? It's, you know, momentum. It reaches the <laughs> peak of its swing and comes back. If only it would turn around and look behind him, Mikey. Uh, we cut to black right before we see him get just fucking creamed <laughs> by the sign. And Roxy, that's Final Destination. Film. That That is the first Final Destination movie. What do you think of this movie, Roxy? Um... I will start by saying it's not a good movie. There is things to enjoy about it. And like I said, there's something about this being a time capsule of like the 2000s and the kinds of movies they were making that is always just going to kind of be like, that's sort of nostalgic, even if it sucks. It's still mm-hmm. kind of fun to like sit here and <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> um, but this movie is uh, goofy as hell. Absolutely ridiculous. Feels incredibly overproduced at times. And just things happen for no reason because they need to happen. And then it spawned an entire series of movies where things happening that don't need to happen is just the right. thing. It's what it does. <laughs> that for me is my big problem with Final Destination. At least this movie. This is the only one I have seen recently. I've watched them all when I was a teenager. Oh, did you really? Final Destination. Or, or at least the first two. At least the first two. Okay. But I loved him as a teenager. And these are like teenage-friendly movies. Because again, you're right. They're an accurate mirror of the times. I remember seeing all these movies in theaters and being like, yes, that is me and my friends up there. That's how yeah. we dress and how we behave. Uh-huh. And about how much we understand the world around us. <laughs> things are kind of just <laughs> happening. <laughs> you have no control. But like, I would argue, listen, I, I come at every movie. I'm a writer. I'm a, I got a writer's perspective. There are great things that this movie does. It creates mm-hmm. these little cat and mouse games. And it's like really effective filmmaking in terms of just like using the building blocks of film to ramp up tension. Yeah, it does this thing too where like you are looking at the environment thinking, how are they going to do this? How are they going to use the pieces in mm-hmm. play to then kill this character? So it kind of keeps you guessing and on the edge of your seat to a degree, which I think is very neat. And definitely it's one of the reasons that makes all of the preceding movies fun to watch because it's still mm-hmm. going get, to get you with that guessing game. Right. There, it, it's got and a attention. lot of like good red herrings. Yes. Like they'll pick, up a, they'll pick up a knife and be like, hmm. And then they'll put the knife down because it's not the way they're going to get killed today. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it is like a fun little head fake thing. But I would argue the moment I made the switch from like an amateur writer who was doing this as like a hobby to becoming like a professional level writer, like somebody who could be hired to write a thing in real life was when I started thinking that like all your characters need to behave. They all want something and they are all trying to get what they want at all times. And the way that you build character conflicts is one want butts up against another want. Mm -hmm. And this movie, I would argue (laughs) fails that very basic test. Because it doesn't know how to define what any of those characters wants because it has no villain. It has no, like, defined purpose as to, like, what their mission is, what they're, um, what they're fighting against. It's just, it's all so ephemeral. And you're exactly right. Things just happen because it's time for them to happen. Well, I guess that's kind of with the antagonist, for lack of a better word, that they set up is literally death itself. It's like fate. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a really interesting idea. So how do you make a horror movie that has tension that can keep people engaged and tell a story when you literally never see, like, the villain? I think that's a very interesting idea and a very interesting thing to toy with. And I think, like I said, when you're constantly looking at objects in the room, like, is this tea kettle gonna be what kills the teacher somehow? (laughs) The camera's focusing on it. Maybe it is. Uh, so I think it kind of puts a lot of, uh, I don't know if pressure is the right word, um, 
I guess, attention like to detail to be like, yeah, your shot choices and like how you're going to pace things. And one of the reasons why I wrote out the entire thing with the teacher that Mikey so gloriously recounted is just because <laughs> that's how insane some of these are, where it's like, that's how many steps there are and how far <laughs> it just it just keeps going and going and going. Whereas like Todd dying at the beginning, he slips and then gets a cord wrapped around his neck and then just keeps slipping and can't save himself. And then he's just done. That's how that one goes. Well- Here's what's kind of interesting to me about uh, interesting. What, here's what's kind of bad to me about this movie. <laughs> You're right. It it's a, a villain that we don't see, but it's unclear what death is actually going for. Like it wants to kill really? these people, but the when Todd dies in this bathroom, the water like drips down from like a pipe, and he slips on it and gets this the shower cord. That I don't know is real. <laughs> I don't know. It was like a clothesline that was suspended in the shower for no reason. It was very okay. weird. Like, who does that? Nobody. But so it looks like a suicide. Yeah. And then the water drips back up the pipe. As if it's cleaning up after itself, which it doesn't exactly. need to do. That is strange. Is Jeff worried about getting arrested? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, what are the limits? What are the extent to Death's... Uh, abilities? What are the rules? Does it have to give these characters, like, a fair chance by showing them visions of the seatbelt ripping and knowing that they can get out of the train problem with seatbelt ripping? Who? Here's my biggest question. Who or what force sent Alex the vision of the plane exploding in the first place? That's more of the thing. Like, death, I kind of just get it, but... Alex being this counterforce that does randomly get visions, why? That makes no sense. Why would he get them and who does he get them from? Yeah, that is something that they never even attempt to explain. And as far as I can tell from all of the previous movies, which if anybody there is super big uh, Final Destination fan can correct me on the wiki or whatever. I don't <laughs> think they ever explain how you get visions or why. Never. It's just like fate gives it to you, maybe? I don't know. Is there supposed to be some sort of counterbalance to death that is trying to do something? Who knows? Never talked about. This movie series feels so, like, it kind of is working at cross-purposes, because the kills are fun, and the little set pieces are fun to be guessing who's gonna die when, but because we have so little hope, there's no chance we're going to, like, you know, find the amulet that's gonna save us from death or whatever. It just feels very bleak. It's just like, well, okay, why doesn't death just have a stray bullet catch me in the head? Or why doesn't my house just collapse? Like, because we don't know the limits of death's abilities, it's just like anything could happen and kind of does. And it just feels like it all feels meaningless. We can't have a want because we don't understand the parameters of what we want. Yeah, and I'd say that is both a strength and a weakness because that's kind of the human condition in general. We're all going to die at some point in some way and we never know how it's going to come for us and there's nothing you can do to prevent it like you can try as hard as you want and eventually old age will get you even if you are perfectly mm-hmm. safe and nothing intervenes in the meantime uh we've all got a limit <laughs> on <laughs> on ourselves from the moment we're born so it it is something that is kind of hard to comprehend and i know this movie is not trying to get that deep into it they're not trying to have a philosophical take on it it's much more of a yeah kind of like yelling at you here's a they don't really do jump scares, but it just feels like it's in your face being like, hey, hey, you're going to die someday, dude. Right. Dude. <laughs> Instead of being like, <laughs> did you know the memento mori, Mikey, someday we will die. Make sure you use your time wisely. You know, it's trying to have a different kind of conversation about a deeper idea, which I think maybe if they couch it in a different way that was more meditative or they made more distinct rules like you were talking about. So we know what we're dealing with. It could hit better that way. But right now mm-hmm. it's kind of like in the middle where, yeah, it it feels like it needed to be a little more defined one way or the other. Or at the very least, like, the visions, the fact that you're mentioning it now, and I hadn't written that down as a note, I'm like, yeah, what mm. the fuck? Like, literally, where yeah. do these visions come from? It Ooh, is never explained. Like, death should hate whatever force is doing that. That's what's fucking up his design. The yeah, and it's continuing to do it. exactly what's going to happen. And there's, like, five movies, so there's five different protagonists, at the very least, who get this ability to do this. Makes no sense. You and, I, you and I both went to art school, and part of art school is design, is graphic design, and, you know, we both took basics of design in our mm-hmm. first year. We know what death's going through. It's hard to make a design. You do multiple it's iterations. 
do we think there's something to like who who was getting in the way of our designs? What was getting in the way of our our attempts? Was there somebody whispering in, in the ear of our Adobe Illustrator that was keeping us from making our designs the way we wanted them to be made? Maybe Death just doesn't understand the program he's working with a hundred percent. You know, there's plenty of tools in Photoshop. I don't know what the hell they do. Um, That's but true. maybe if I didn't know how to optimize <laughs> those, I'd be able to perform magic with the program. So maybe that's it. Death is like, man, this is like a different tool that I don't know how to cancel out. So this kid's getting visions and I don't know how to like intervene to stop it. Uh, <laughs> it's just my first year. I don't know, man. My teacher you know, didn't give me enough information on this. Maybe he's got a mentor, the death before him. It's a new death <laughs> taking over for old death. It, well, it makes you think, did you watch the show? Um, did you watch The Good Place? Yes, I did. And literally, that's my thing that's making me happy this week. So I literally oh. finished it up finally. <laughs> so Interesting. Said, yes. Well, then, you know, like that show is all about like an architect biz- designing a world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that uh, I like I picture death kind of functioning like Ted Danson in The Good Place. <laughs> yeah. He's doing his best, but he's kind of bumbling and he makes big mistakes and he does it well sometimes. And he just doesn't know his tools yet because it's the first time they've ever tried something like this. Maybe it's the first time they've ever tried to kill somebody in a plane this way. I feel like a lot of times planes crash because, like, an engine fails and it goes down. This is the mm-hmm. first plane that, like, exploded in the air as though it had a, a fucking uh, remote mine from the N64 GoldenEye game on it. Yeah, it is very strange. Like, they, I think they probably, in the news reports later, they said something very specific about it, but it's like an explosion that causes a chain reaction. And there's this part right. that is kind of like a neat... Ooh, we're figuring out the clues scene where they show the path of the explosion through the seats. And then Alex, our main character, has like a piece of acetate paper where he maps onto their seat locations to be like, oh, man, it went in the order of how we're all going to die. That's how I figured out death's design. (laughs) (laughs) It, It does. This movie has these moments that never feel real. But like, I don't mind the idea of a movie with a bleak map. I don't know in a movie that's saying, like, isn't it scary how we're all going to die someday? Like, that is a very scary message. But there are no... In pro wrestling, they call them hope spots. Mm. A lot of times in pro wrestling, you'll mostly see the good guy is getting his ass kicked. But they have what they call hope spots, where he'll get in a couple of shots and make you think, like, maybe he'll fight out of this. And then he gets starts to get beaten down again. There's... That moment feels like it should be a hope spot, where he's starting to crack the code. He's starting to see what death does. But he, because it's all so ill-defined around it... It never feels hopeful. It feels like, well, why does... I just keep asking questions in this movie. I'm like, why does the order matter and not, like... How, uh, it's breaking my brain. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean the order matter? Why does death care? What is that? And all, I mean, it's like an explosion. They all pretty much die at the same spot, don't they? I don't know. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, I guess just because when you come up with that to be your antagonist, like, then how do you figure out how to defeat it? Um, so I think what the writers do is they came up with, oh, okay, so order. Like, death has an order to it, uh, mm-hmm. so he will only act in this rigid way. It's also why he's, like, coming after them instead of just being like, well, that's a gimme, you guys survived, who cares? Like, it is coming back to be like, no, 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 I I got my plan, no, no escaping, puny little human. must be paid. <laughs> but even do- with that being done, like, I assume with the reason that Clear is safe... And then Alex is still alive. He probably technically died for a couple minutes when he got electrocuted, right? So shouldn't that sure. just mean you don't care? Like, they, for one, they didn't elaborate on that, which is weird. It's like, why is Alex alive? Like, the whole thing is that he thought he was sacrificing himself to die here. Yeah. And I found out through a little digging that it's because they had two different endings. And the first ending they had didn't do well with test audiences and had Alex dying and you see him like as a burnt corpse. Mm. But oh. instead they did these reshoots and okay, let, let me do the whole rest of the ending. So Alex does die. Uh, he's a burnt corpse. And then a different cut scene where Claire and Alex like had sex on the beach. You just see them being kind of like uh, talking with uh, intimately about, you know, how they don't want to die and what they're going to do. In mm-hmm. a cut scene, they actually, like, were confirmed to be in a relationship romantically and, like, had sex on the beach. So then like later, that. when he does electrocute himself um, and dies, then the way that they made it 
So, like, <laughs> death skipped them is that then she got pregnant and had a baby. So they created new life. So death mm. was like, okay, you offset the balance, Satisfying. I guess. So there's another person I get to kill. And then also Carter is still alive. So the three, huh. the two of them survived and then there's a baby. Um, and Alex is huh. dead. But test audiences were like, eh, that's too, like, sappy and hopeful, I guess. So instead uh-huh. we get the ending where Alex is inexplicably, unexplainedly alive. And then it's like, oh, Death didn't really skip me. It just waited three months until I was in Paris, and I realized it at this moment for some reason, even though my whole deal is that I'm obsessed with this and I'm supposed to be reasoning it out. I only figured it out just now. Um, And then Death is like, oh, shit, he knows. Time to come for him, I guess. And then the Rube Goldberg uh, explosions happen, and Carter saves him, so then it skipped him. And so then it comes for Carter, and then does that mean it's just going to keep going? Like, then it'll come for right. Allie, and it'll come for... Al- or Allie, excuse me, it'll come for Clear and come for Alar. Alex. Yes, that's probably what I was saying. <laughs> and like in the Again. sequels, they do say like who died for sure and whatnot, but like in the movie itself, the text we are given, like what? We we have no idea. Right. It it's it, it's the opposite of it follows. It follows has a great rules defining scene, very clear rules, we know exactly what is going on, and then when we feel hopeful, it feels good, and then it plays into the statement the movie's making at the end. This movie, I think, would work better as a web series. Clearly, the only thing they're interested in doing is making these cool little Rube Goldberg machines, which are fun. Do it. Just go ahead and make them, and I'll watch those, but don't try and string them together into a story because it doesn't make sense. Well, like I said, I think the the idea that, you know, we're all going to die someday, it's kind of a fear of the loss of control. You know, the mm-hmm. the ability that you can't that you cannot control your own life. You know, if you get cancer, you can't just like wish the cancer away. You know, if you get hit by a car, you can't just wish that didn't happen and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> and that's kind of how we see it with Carter when he like stops first when he starts speeding around like a weirdo and then stops on the bridge or the uh, <laughs> railroad tracks and then is like, I'm going to die on my own terms. Wait a minute. No, actually, I don't want to die. <laughs> Besides the last minute. Carter's character in general is just so weird. He's his he's just angry bully jock for no reason. Who like hates the main character so much that he like when the main character is freaking out in the plane, he's like, Oh my god, it's gonna blow up, it's gonna die. And this guy is so mad about him and wants to bully him (laughs) so badly that he like jumps across seats to like get in a fight with him to be like, Shut up and like punches him and like that's why he gets carried off. And doesn't die. And then he continues to try and pick fights with him. Like, I don't I don't even understand what we're supposed to get out of this character. The only time when he actually states, I'm going to get control when I die. That's the only time when it feels like, okay, mm-hmm. they were trying to say something with this character, I guess, uh, uh, the whole well, time, also, maybe. Like, he's, like, making out with his girlfriend the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then she gets splattered by a bus very suddenly. Yeah. And it's a very fun little moment. And then his character, like, doesn't really change. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Like, him, so when they're in the car, he starts escalating and driving super fast and being like, Mm -hmm. I control when I die, I'm going to do it. While everybody else is in the car. So he's also, like, risking them like an asshole. And it's supposed to be a reaction to her dying, maybe. It didn't land, I don't buy it, but I think what their intention was supposed to be is that instead of him just being angry guy, now he's angry guy with a death wish, so he so much so that he's going to try and get other people killed along with him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does not care. But he also didn't care about people beforehand, from as far as I could tell. He maybe right. cared about his girlfriend. Yeah, it, it's like, he, he goes through, like, this surface change, but his demeanor, his behavior is exactly the same. And then, a scene later, after he parks on the railroad tracks, he's just like, actually, I don't want to die anymore. And then it's a big deal for him to try and get out. It yeah. It's, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's not a good movie. It's just not a good movie. I think it just a lot of the writing is people just like screaming at each other, which is really weird. Like uh, yeah. the guy who gets decapitated after they pull Carter out of the, the car. Stifler. He, yeah. From what the American Famously, Pie movies. Stifler. He's just like standing there screaming like for so long. Like, I don't know who wrote that, but he's just like there yelling and being like, who's going to be who's next? I don't want to go near you. You next. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like saying the same thing <laughs> five million times, just like the same with any of their fight scenes where they're just like bickering at each other and having to be held mm-hmm. back by other characters. It's so weird, like exaggerated and like not how people interact. Right. 
That's why I see like this movie should be a web series. Like I want to accentuate, like I want creatives to do what they're interested in. Like this movie is clearly very interested in these, again, these like fun Rube Goldberg machines. It's not interested in writing a script. So if you're not interested in a script, don't write one. Who cares? Yeah, Make I think cool it- little like a thousand ways to die videos like world's stupidest deaths and then just film your little deaths and you'd get millions of views on youtube and it would be very fun isn't wasn't there like an mtv series about that it was literally that like it was world's dumbest deaths or something i feel like somebody in my real life was just telling me about that how they were like it's it was like the the thousand dumbest deaths and then they pretty quickly ran out of like criminals who like fucked up so it was just like people who had like (laughs) an accident or Oh, <laughs> people who had diseases. Like, isn't it dumb that they had a disease? <laughs> it was very funny to me. Yeah, I definitely watched a YouTuber cover one of those recently. That was yeah. just like, yeah, a thousand ways to die or dumbest ways to die. And one of them was like about someone farting to death or something. Yeah, or like getting. Oh, that's what that's what it was. It was somebody who um had orgasms. Like, oh, just just like whenever they touched anything, and her boyfriend like knew that she had this and like tickled her and she had an orgasm while she was going down the stairs and fell down the stairs and died and they're like can you believe this fucking lady had all these orgasms (laughs) it's like no that sounds like a horrible way to live that sounds frightening and also if it's an actual Uh, person's death like that's just that what a horrible thing like imagine being that girl's family and then seeing it being turned into a joke on mtv disgusting I do want to clarify, I say that's a very funny decision because of the wanton cruelty of it, yeah. not because I think and it's I'm, funny that it's I'm also going to say that could be completely made up. I think a lot of the those for those shows, they just made up. What's the dumbest way we can think of and just made up some shit that's not like an actual real person? One of the all-time great shows, Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Yes. With people's deaths. And then you get to make up a bunch of deaths like Final Destination and also get to do some real deaths that are like pretty fucked up and uh, specifically make them villains so that you don't get freaked out by them. Yeah, exactly. And feel sad for them. Truly. Roxy, do you have anything else about Final Destination that hits you hard? Oh, gosh. What? Is there anything else? I don't think there so. There might this be. Clear, Clear is I, like I a weird, <laughs> weird artist. Okay, so you were talking about how like Clear is really, uh, she's a beautiful actress. Um, yeah. She is like a weird self-imposed loner as opposed to like being rejected. Because like mm. when he goes to her garage, she's made a bunch of weird sculptures and she's kind of like introspective and like, you know, just doesn't want to hang out with people. But she really is foca- mm-hmm. focused on this guy because she like can feel his vibes. Which is another thing that doesn't make sense that they don't get into. That she, like, decided to get off the plane, not just because she was like, oh, that guy's freaking out and better safe than sorry, so I might as well. It's more like she explains it. She's an empath. Yeah, she's an empath and she's feeling what he's feeling. So she explains that she felt, man, I felt the creep of death and I can still feel it around you because you feel it. And uh-huh. that's why I know you're telling the truth. And <laughs> why why introduce that? It's never brought up later, never explained either. Just need a reason for this girl to be interested in the main character, I guess. Uh, she does a really weird sculpture that is like a light bulb shaped head with a bunch of holes punched out of it. And it's on a springy thing. And she's like, this is you. And he just looks <laughs> at it like, great. <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to say? And they don't even, they could have gone into more definitive maybe sort of introspective or any sort of like character traits or motivations whatever with that like that was the perfect scene to do it because you're using art as a metaphor for this character mm-hmm. just do it and then they don't they just skip right past it um and that was a weird I, little I, thing <laughs> again not to not to harp on this ellie larder is literally a doritos girl doritos put her in their commercials because of how hot she was like oh, she I was is like, where are you going with this? Read those girls. I think she's male ideal. There is no way she doesn't have friends all around the school because she's the hottest girl and everybody loves her. They're just like, I'm no, not Mikey, I'm she sorry. pushed them all away just so that she would be the only one there for Alex to date or whatever. They also not do the a thing where like her parents are not there, not in the picture. You see everybody else's parents come to greet them. Uh Like, very worried and relieved that their kids are alive, but then she's just standing there and nobody came to pick her up. Oh, because they're dead. Yeah. Her parents, she she too knew the touch of death. Yes. Unbelievable. Exactly. But then she's, like, still making art in a garage in, like, a gigantic house. I don't know who she lives (laughs) with, they say. Who knows? Ridiculous. 
Uh, Roxy. That, that it. You got anything is, else? I hate this movie. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk Yeah, about, let's, let's, give it let's rate it then, Mikey. Mikey loves this movie so much, we're going to rate it. Uh, okay, so our rating system down here is rated with severed thumbs because we got two of our own thumbs and then a whole basket of thumbs out of here. So we rate things out of five. So, Mikey, out of five, how many thumbs are you giving this movie? One thumb. All it's right. just my one thumb that one I lift thumb. up. Listen, these little cat and mouse scenes, they're effective. There's no direction. There's no structure to this movie. There's no clear direction. There's no clear antagonist. What are we working towards? What are these people just... What's the difference between seeing a bus drive by in a window and a second later your friend gets hit by a bus and any other car you saw driving by? I don't know. It's just things are happening and I hate it It was a ghost car, Mikey. It was a vision. The car wasn't really there, but it was in the reflection. If I ever meet Devin Sawa... Who played Alex in this movie? Uh huh. I'm gonna hassle him. I'm gonna be like, what the fuck was? Movie. What was Final Whoa, Destination one? What, what were they saying on stage or on set? There had to be something. <laughs> Why'd you make that? Why'd you make that movie? <laughs> yeah, he made it. Yeah, it's not his fault. <laughs> Roxy, what score would you give this movie? Um, I gave it a 1.5, so a little wow. bit higher. Wow, because uh, it's I like you give it more. It's competently made for what it is. Uh, and these are my kind of like garbage popcorn movies. So I will always appreciate mm. them again. It's like, it's a very, very 2000s teen angst horror movie time capsule. And I think I, I'm always going to be a sucker to appreciate that to some extent. So I got my own thumb and then a half thumb in this basket from when we cut off halves on a different <laughs> movie rating. Yeah. Smart so, of you not to cut off half of your own thumb. I didn't want to. Yeah, I was like, eh, I could do that, but I think I need that for the rest of my life. You know, <laughs> fuzzable thumbs are important. Mm-hmm. So both pretty close by the sounds of it with this rating system. You didn't give it a zero though, Mikey. So I guess that's no. something. <laughs> like I said, I can tell what this movie is interested in and mm-hmm. it's not what I'm interested in. Also, Tony Todd. Also dragged down. We didn't talk about Tony Todd. Tony Todd being in this movie, and his character's name is William Bloodworth, but it is spelled B L U D, so yeah. that like you say Bloodworth, but it isn't spelled Bloodworth. And he acts kind of almost like a proxy for Death or the Grim Reaper because right. he's a mortician. And guess what, Mikey? He shows up in all of the sequels, basically, okay. to, as a mortician as this character to be like, "Ooh, Death's design. Those kids years ago dealt with it. Now I'm telling you." See, this is like, they had the same thought. They were like, we can't just have no antagonist and we can't just do shit. We need to explain it. But they just explained it poorly. Like the point of Tony Todd in this movie is to like give you the rules. To tell you what death wants. To tell you uh, how you defeat it and what you can do to satiate death's thirst for blood. Like they just didn't do it. He just like was there and was kind of creepy and gave the same vibes that... uh, that we already had, that we already were feeling because of the explosions and the deaths. I don't know. This movie sucks. <laughs> I'm mad about it. Then I bet you'd love to uh, ask me a question, wouldn't you? I actually would. <laughs> I All like right. this question. <laughs> so uh, w- one of the things that we talked about this movie poking at was this idea that we are all going to die someday. Now, that's just a fact. Yeah. Death comes for us all. Unfortunate, but true. Not today. Roxy, when... Your time comes. When the Grim Reaper starts singing your song, if you had to pick a death from this movie, from Final Destination 1, which death would you want and why? God, okay. I'd say probably the ones that just go real quick that they don't even realize it happened. So probably how Billy got his head sliced off really quickly Mm. or uh, Terry stepped in front of the bus. She died like instantly. Or Carter Mm. getting killed by the sign at the end. Actually, I don't know Mm. if he died instantly. So maybe I can't say him. But yeah, I'd Mm. say just one of the instant deaths. I don't want the teacher's stupid, prolonged death where she keeps making dumb (laughs) mistakes. Like everything she did in that scene made no sense. It's nothing a human would do. Uh, And I don't want that to happen to me. No, thank you. What about you, Mike? So you got to pick then. You got to pick then. Of those three, it sounds like you're not super stoked on the Carter. If you had to go sliced head or completely disintegrated by bus. It's really a question of your remains. What do you want to happen to your uh, body. I guess do you sliced, want off, left? sliced off head will be easier for folks to deal with as opposed to a uh, bus splatter, mm-hmm. which people are cleaning you off their clothes for the next two weeks and the I street and the bus. The way that Stifler specifically got sliced, he like, it was like along his mouth. 
like his lower jaw was fine, but his upper jaw was sliced. Like that was the slice part. Yeah. So like you could probably have an open casket funeral at that point. It would just look yeah, like you, you have a glass sew, smile. Sew on. Yeah. Use a lot of makeup and some putty. <laughs> They'd fix you up. <laughs> you, yeah, you nice. can still have an open casket. Yeah, at that point. I'm I'm good with that. Let's clean up also. What about you, Mikey? What, what, which death would you pick? I am Carter's death at the end of the movie all the way. 100%. A swinging billboard. Listen, you don't even have to see it coming. Mm, that's true. It swings back. It bashes you in the back. So when that sign <laughs> swings up, like, I'm almost picturing this, like, slow motion, beautiful shot where my corpse it- is against <laughs> it and the spotlight oh, is on up. me. <laughs> and people are like, oh. And then you swing back. And if it hit you hard enough, your body sticks to it. So when the pendulum <laughs> swings back, your body's still stuck to it. And then it comes up again and slowly stops. So when it's just dangling, there's just like a monument to my silhouette. <laughs> on, <laughs> arms outstretched. <laughs> okay. That I think would be really nice for people. It reminds me of if the- If you died um, instantly, I'd say, yeah, that's good. But what if he didn't die instantly? That's the only reason why I could not pick Carter's desk. Because I was like, we don't know how quick he went. He he might have well, suffered and been bashed into the building across the street and then fell on some spikes or whatever. I do think it would be funny to get knocked that hard and swing up and then continue your momentum and then your body just soars chest first through the city of Paris. And there you go. At least you get one last uh, look before you die and maybe you it's- will just smash into a building and be a Looney Tunes cutout shape of your body. Did you say he might fall on spikes? <laughs> yeah, I was like, who knows? They were doing construction, and these movies have weird shit there that shouldn't be. Maybe there's weird construction spikes he falls onto. I love that he would get hit by the sign, fly forward, and just be like, ooh, that kind of hurt, but it's no worse than getting hit in the back with a steel chair. And then he's sore, and he's like, uh-oh, the pit from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> teacher she was obviously killed by her artery being severed in her neck from the glass thing but then death was like no i'm gonna stab this bitch too she's gonna get stabbed and then like extra stabbed where i'm gonna like not just regular stab her i'm gonna then smash it in so she's extra dead and i prolong her suffering just because like why what i'm wondering what are death's motivations like why does he seem to like not really have it out for stifler but he really wants to stick it to that teacher yeah. Like, she's already... Like, why does he want to pin it all on Devin Sawa? The thing that doesn't make sense, but get, then again, his character is just an idiot. Why is he behaving like a small-town mafia Uso? Alex's character is just written so <laughs> the, stupid. The, cop, the coppers are going to look for water, so we got to clean it up. Like, none of these characters feel like real characters. They're either, like, tropes or plot devices, and Alex is one of those characters where it's just... He's just the protagonist. He's just the vehicle through the story, and then he is supposed to be interested in fact-finding and then just needs to be in places. Because nobody in their right mind... The teacher was definitely already dead. Why would you then take the knife out? Like, she's dead. You're not (laughs) helping anybody. All you're doing is just incriminating yourself because the movie needs you to incriminate yourself further, even though the FBI is already after him. So, like, there's no point to further incrimination. Like, we get it. They're already after you for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe death is just fucking with him, trying to take him out of the equation. So then he can stop trying to prevent it. But at the same time, death didn't make him pick that up. He didn't. Death tried to kill him in the woods by knocking him over into a puddle and having a tree fall on him, which was very funny and random and made no sense. <laughs> Especially because he got out of it just fine. Stupid. Death, ne- death needs to either have... Death either needs to have the concerns of death, which is a, I am all-powerful, omnipotent, have a design, I'm killing these people. Or death needs to have the convictions of a human being and then be played by Tony Todd and just be like, oh shit, I gotta really beat the shit out yeah. of this teacher because Th- she pissed would- me off. This would all be solved by having a proxy, like death having a proxy killer or something of mm-hmm. some kind, whether they can do magic or whatever. Like, it would just make more sense if there was a <laughs> a proxy killer that would, like that. Would that. Be another, that would be another fun hat on a hat if the we're, we're dodging death. And also, the sorcerer is in town. <laughs> a man no, in, like, full wizard robes is, like, also I mean, shooting like, spells at them. You know, telekinesis magic to make the stupid clothesline go around his neck, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. He's death, so it's just, like, his physical proxy manipulating things, but has to be in a place at a time or something. Like, some <laughs> any sort of limitation or rule that would make it make more sense. Anyway, right. we, we got our death choices for this movie. Uh, next mm-hmm. up, we got a bet. So we had a kill count for this movie, which uh, 
Oh boy, Mikey, did you write down the final one? You got it? I sure did. You got this answer? Okay, so Mikey, your bet number was... I said 140 deaths, because we know there's a big chunk yeah, of deaths on the airplane. With the plane, and I, I, I didn't think about how big an international flight was that's that many seats across. I said 65. I'm pretty sure I know that I didn't win this time, but how, how close were you, Mikey? What was the answer? Uh, according to the Dead Meat Wiki, there were 281 passengers. Yikes. Wow. Okay. And then we had another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven deaths. So total, two hundred and ninety-two deaths. I think this is our biggest Holy kill shit. count. Holy shit! Yeah, this yeah. is definitely the biggest kill count we've had in the movie. That's yeah. nuts. That's a giant. Uh, and just plane. the fact that I had the biggest number means yeah. I win. Yeah, it's a me score. <laughs> Congrats, Mikey. Total. Thank you. I uh, care. <laughs> 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 Our total bet scores stand at Roxy with 41 points, Mikey with 31 points, Ty with four. All right. So, Mikey, one last question I have for you before we move on. Uh, Do you want to know what the wrap-up is for the fifth movie, Mikey? There are five movies in this series. I have seen all of them relatively recently, enough to know some vague things and looked up a couple other details. Mm -hmm. But do you want to know any other details from the rest of the series movies? I would like to know how this wraps up specifically. Okay, so we've because got... Because, again, if, real quick, just if my uh-huh. big problem is that there's no antagonist and it's kind of directionless, you had mentioned that maybe there's a little bit of a of a full circle moment at the end of this. So let's just say real quick, go ahead, if you are listening and don't want to have the end of Final Destination spoiled for yourself, uh, push the uh, 30 sep- seconds button... Two or three times. You know, go ahead, skip um, the next minute and a half or so. Yeah, so each of the following movies take place in some different, like, crowded giant place. The second one is about a, like, car pileup on a highway. Next one after Mm -hmm. that is about an amusement park. Next one after that is a NASCAR speedway. And then the next one after that is a crowded bridge with a bus, like, company retreat. And so these characters Mm -hmm. who are in the, the fifth movie... You think it's happening in, like, 2011 when the movie came out. Turns out it's not. It's happening in the year 2000. Those characters think they escape death and they get right on the plane from the first movie. Ha! Oh. Okay. And they edit them in there, so then you think they escaped and you think all these other characters escaped? No, actually, death got everybody. So there really wasn't any way around it. There was no way to make the math work or anything. Just, that's it. They're all dead. Because all right. Allie Lauder, her character survives and is in the second movie. And then they just, they, they treat her. She's in an insane asylum in a padded room because she's like, death can't get me in here. Like, I'm safe mm-hmm. in here. Um, and then they take her out and then she just dies like a schmuck in a right. fire later after saving a different character. And it's like, what was the point of I even doing that? that? I remember watching Final Destination 2 and they talked about like, Devin Sawa just died off screen. Mm-hmm. And Ali Lauder was like, I'm the last one left. And then she came out and she was not left. She just died. So, all yeah. right, what are we doing here? Uh, doesn't really <laughs> give us any more insight. Just, yeah, any of the bullshit they, visions and things. That was just a glitch. That was a bug, not a feature, Mikey. Mm-hmm. No, okay. death comes for us all. We're all dead. We just don't know it yet. What an uplifting well, message. <laughs> and on that uplifting note, I see Demon Bot coming over here. <laughs> Even better. Mikey and Roxy, you have successfully reviewed Final Destination. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, I feel I deserve a bit of representation in the films we watch here in the scary basement. So you must review the 2022 film, Megan, about a robot who is just trying to survive in a world that has unfairly misjudged her intentions. Alright Roxy, so for next week we're watching Megan, the doll movie. What do you say we make a bet for it? Let's do it. Let's make a bet for Megan with a three. Mithrigan. Roxy, would you say in Megan, does the fourth build actor survive? And when I say the word survive, that E is a three. Of course. Um, I'm going to say yes. Fourth build actor sounds kind of safe. Sure. I'll say yes. Okay. I will say no then to be a contrarian. All right. Let's do it. Well, I guess we wouldn't have a bet. One of the worst qualities about myself. What if one of these days we're both just like yes and yes or no and no? I think hell would freeze uh, over. I, I think it might break the demon bot. Mm, mm. 
Mm, Circa 3 says, bets are different. (laughs) All right, Mikey, we got our bet for Megan locked in. So we will find out next week if the fourth build actor in Mithrigan survives. Uh, This week, we've been talking about a lot of stuff that has been unnerving us or frustrating us in this movie's case. Uh, So how about we talk about what's making us happy? So, Mikey, what happened to you this week that is making you happy? This week, Roxy, I went to the Getty Museum. Oh, wow. How was that? It was fine. I'm generally not a huge museum guy. But what made me very happy was there were statues in this beautiful garden. Like, it's in Malibu. It's like... Yeah, I've actually been to this museum. It's it's very beautiful. There's even, like, a cool herb garden with, like, all these different herb like that's unique sorry you're the one describing this why am i taking your bit please please talk about things you call them as uh describe them as herb gardens because in these gardens are statues that feel very much like resident evil puzzles where a lot of them have like different eyes like they're like dark bronze statues but they have like white eyes that look like inserted later but they're kind of mixed match they're almost like pointing in different directions how they look like they'd be a puzzle piece something you pick up in your inventory those eyes shuffle them around some of them were looked correct so it was like okay that puzzle's already solved i don't have to deal with that one but um they were not only appearing to be puzzle pieces but they were also very ominous. <laughs> they okay. were so creepy. I mean, it looked bronze, like they were watching too. you from apart, from across the, the museum. Ooh. So I saw them. I was chilled, but in a fun way. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had fun exploring that museum. It's really neat. It's in such a crazy location, too. It is right on the beach in Malibu. Yeah. Very neat. What's making you happy? Uh, so I kind of mentioned it earlier when we talked about it briefly, but I finally finished The Good Place. It's taken me oh, forever. Sure. Like, I went through a stint of watching a bunch of episodes, then I got caught up and then just kind of forgot to get back to it. And so I mm-hmm. finally did it and watched it. And man, that ending made me cry multiple times at different places. It was so good. That show That's is just so, so good. I feel like everybody should watch it. It's just so much about the human experience, what we owe each other, what you owe yourself. Mm-hmm. what we should be trying to strive for to just be better and to be better to others and just yeah you know meditating about the nature of human existence in ways that are very ultimately uplifting and sweet and all the characters love them so much they're all so good and everybody mm-hmm. loves each other so much all the characters it's great and i'm finally glad i got some closure on that series uh despite it making me cry it was like a this is so good it's moving me to tears mm-hmm. sort of cry I remember the very last scene of that show was like a perfect, like, sweet and sad moment. Uh, I like that. Yeah, and it even kind of like tries to end with a little bit of a gag, just like not bring you down completely. Like with, I think it's like a membership rewards card, which I won't say anything more (laughs) than that uh, for spoilers, because I think everybody should experience a show on their own. But yeah, they have like this very poignant, sad, well, sad, bittersweet, I guess. It's not really sad, sad moment. And then, yeah followed up with a, a a little joke that if you're paying attention mm. to tracks it's very sweet it's a good show it's a good show all right it's now time for haunted plugs so first of all make sure you follow scary basement on twitter at scary underscore basement and on instagram at scary basement pod mikey where can people find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at secret blimp you can find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash secret blimp and that's it. Those are the two places. <laughs> Yay. Those are two really good places. I realized I, I was talking in a way that made it seem like I was doing a run of threes. And I don't. I need to uh, buy an Instagram or something. There you go. Is that how you get them? Um, you it them? depends. If you want to just buy followers, I hear that it's possible to do that. If you want to start out with and like 100K, you can probably do, do that. There you I go. I am also on Twitter and Twitch as Red Mage Roxy, and I stream three days a week, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Also, make sure you give us five stars on iTunes, preferably, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. That would be wonderful. Oh, hey, another thing you could do for us, if you wanted, maybe you just leave us a review. That really helps us out. Also, help us out by checking out the Patreon for our podcast network, Super NPC Radio. You sign up over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. There you can get bonus episodes of Scary Basement where we cover horror video games in our series called Press X to Scream. You also get the years and years of video game content from the rest of our friends over at Super NPC Radio. So check it out. 
And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. Please do it. You know they'll love it. We'd appreciate it. Please do it. Thanks. And as always, do not sign any contracts offered to you by Demon Robots. See you next week, friends. Friends.